Hey, this is Adam Starling. I'm the senior pastor at Victory Family Church. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray this message will inspire you, encourage you, and hopefully challenge you to become everything that God has called you to be. Enjoy the message. Good morning. How's everybody today? Good, good. My name's Austin. I'm a youth pastor here, so if you haven't met me, it's nice to meet y'all. I'm glad y'all are here. Uh, I'm going to be speaking today, so thank you, Pastor Matt and Pastor Julie, for giving me the opportunity. Uh, but I do have an announcement before we get started. I want to let you guys know that youth camp is literally in a week. It's June 12th to the 16th, so if you haven't signed your kid up, you need to do so, like, today. So, like, let me know if you want your kid to go. Uh, we'll get them signed up and get them ready to go because we want everybody to be able to have the opportunity to go. So please come talk to me after the service, and we'll get it figured out. Um, but today we're continuing our series on the fruit of the Spirit, and today we're going to be looking at three fruits. We're not looking at oranges or grapes or watermelons today, um, but we're actually looking at a couple here in Galatians chapter 5, verse 23. Uh, 22 and 23, but it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So today, we're going to be looking at what it means to be good, gentle, and kind. So let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for this wonderful day that we get to have together. Lord, I pray that um, your words would just speak to our hearts and teach us how to walk in step with you. In Jesus' name, amen. So everybody say good. Everybody say gentle. And everybody say kind. Good job, y'all. Good job. So the concepts in these words that are presented seem simple on the surface. Like, the way I think, I'm like, they're short words, so that means the meaning has to be, like, easier to understand, right? Because if they're easier to say, that means they're easier for me to understand. But in reality... On the surface level, they look simple, but they have a deeper meaning when we look at them uh, through the lens of the Bible. So what does it mean, then, to be good, gentle, and kind? Well, I think the first step is to look at somebody who embodies what it means to be good, gentle, and kind. And so, like, everybody think of somebody that you would think embodies what it means to be good, gentle, and kind. For me, I think of my grandma. So, like, ain't nobody as good, gentle, and kind as your grandma, you know? You do something wrong, grandma has a way of gently teaching you how to do better and learn from her experiences, and she shows you how to live good in the way that she cares for you. You need some help, grandma's going to take care of you. She's got you. You need some cash, she's got you. She's ready to help you out. She fills the need with ease and gentleness. You need a hug, you had a rough day, grandma's got you. She'll give you a hug. You hungry, grandma already started cooking. She's got food on the stove, go get you some. She puts herself, she puts you before herself and shows you that she treats you better than you deserve. So what if the world was more good and gentle and kind like grandma is? What if the church was more gentle and good and kind like grandma is? I think if we look at the world, it's so easy to see that it's quick to judge others, that it puts them down for their beliefs, makes them feel small. Um, The world shows no mercy. It'll kick a man while he's down and just leave him there in his misery. And... The world seeks to be heard and does not care to hear what anybody else has to say. And it puts itself first in all its selfish desires, and it will not blink twice at the pain that it causes somebody else. And sadly, if sometimes if you look at the church around the country, I think you see that we resemble the world more than we do Jesus in the way that 
we sh- we show kindness. Like, oftentimes you see that we're quick to pick a fight. We, if somebody disagrees with our beliefs, we're quick to just shut them off and not listen to them. We seek to make ourselves look better than the other person. We're always playing the comparison game. And we often find ourselves discontent. And we're really good at faking being nice to somebody. That way we can be passive-aggressive to them and get our point across. But the problem is that our image then becomes more important than showing them the image of Jesus. So it causes us to realize that we, we do struggle to be good and gentle and kind. It's not really in our nature. But that means that we have to change something, right? There's this famous artist that made this masterpiece in 2016, and I think it embodies what it means to be good, gentle, and kind. And every time I hear the phrase good, gentle, and kind, the song starts playing in my head, and I can't get it out. It's just stuck. It was written by Laurie McKenna, but most of you guys know that it was performed by Tim McGraw, and it's called Humble and Kind. And that song has some pretty good examples of what it means Uh, to be good and gentle and kind to others. So it says, hold the door, say please and thank you, don't steal and don't cheat and don't lie, help the next one in line. So while this song isn't the perfect representation of what it means to be good, gentle, and kind to others, uh, I think you see that there is one important concept that it presents to us, and it's a legacy defined by being good, gentle, and kind to others. So ultimately, you'll realize as you go throughout life, people are going to care less about the success that you have, the things that you're able to acquire. In reality, people are going to remember you for the way that you love them and show, you, show them uh, goodness, gentleness, and kindness. So when somebody looks at you, will they see you as somebody who treated them with goodness, gentleness, and kindness? That you treated them with the fruits of the Spirit and showed them what it means to walk with Christ and be led by the Holy Spirit? I think today we should be like joyful in the fact that we can do that through Christ being our strength in in our weakness. So who cares about your success or about the things that you're able to acquire? All of those things end up passing away. The only thing that matters is your relationship with Jesus and bringing others into that relationship with him. Because when we live out the fruits of the Spirit, you then reflect the life of Jesus to others. So we have this picture of a vine and branches And we know that the fruit of the Spirit is called uh, the fruit of the Spirit because it's the Spirit of God who produces this fruit inside of us, and it's shown in and through our lives in the way we present Jesus to others. So we know that Jesus is the vine, we're the branches. So that means everything comes from him, we are then producing what he gives us. So it's the goodness of God, the gentleness of God, and the kindness of God that allows us to be good, gentle, and kind to others. So... First, I think we have to be able to understand these characteristics in God before we try to look at them in ourselves. So first, you realize God is good. So have you guys heard the saying that it's like, I say God is good all the time, and then all the time, God is good. Let's go, guys. Good job. So we've heard it all the time, but if you look at Psalm uh, 136, verse 1, it says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And then Psalm 119, verse 68 says, You are good, and what you do is good. So we know, we've heard it all the time, we know that God is good, but what does it mean that he's good? If we look at this quote by Christopher Wright, it says, God is generous and trustworthy without any deception or crookedness. And he is like that always, through and through like a solid rock, in his own character and in all his actions. 
So if y'all remember from last week, Pastor Matt was talking a lot about Joseph. So Joseph and his family all settle in Egypt, and they grow so much in number that the Egyptians become scared of the Israelites. They're like, man, we got to do something about this. So they make the Israelites slaves. So for hundreds of years, the people of God live as slaves in Egypt. And for hundreds of years, you see them wondering where God is and if his promises with them are broken or if they're even going to be freed at all. And it's in this despair that God raises up a leader named Moses who leads his people out of captivity and into the freedom that God has for them in the promised land. But the important part to realize from that is that God is not just good whenever he was setting them free from Egypt, and he was not just good when he was bringing judgment on the Israelites' enemies, uh, and he was not just good when he was parting the Red Sea to let them walk across on dry land. But God was also good even in their despair, even in their struggle, even in the years of pain and injustice that they experienced. God was and is, and he will always be good. So Joseph, remember his story, he's been a slave in Egypt, then he's able to become the second in command in Egypt, and then his brothers come back during a famine because they need food. So his brothers were the ones who sold him into slavery. So in this moment, they come back, Joseph sees them for the first time again in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, and it says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. First, you got to realize that this doesn't mean that God causes evil. It doesn't mean that evil, evil things are no longer evil just because God can turn it around for good. Evil is still evil and good is still good, but you got to realize that God is so good that the evil things that the enemy meant to destroy you, God can turn around and use to bring good and glory for his name in your life. And because, you notice, God in his goodness treats us better than we deserve. And the second thing you see is that God is gentle. In Isaiah chapter 40, verses 11, it says, He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. And in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, it says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Look back at the Israelites. So God sets his people free from Egypt, and then they complain because the wilderness was too harsh, and they want to go back to Egypt. God parted the Red Sea and let them walk across on dry land, and then they cry and complain, and they want to go back to Egypt. When they were starving, and God miraculously provided bread and quail for them to eat, like every single day, God provided the perfect amount that each person needed to survive. And they end up responding by building a golden calf and worshiping it. And it's like come on guys, like a calf, really? But they did it. So they sound ungrateful, right? Like whenever you hold the door open for somebody, you expect a thank you. Like it's just common Southern hospitality. You hold the door open. They're like, thank you. I appreciate that. But whenever you hold the door open for somebody and then they're just kind of like, they just walk through and you're just like, oh, they're that kind of person. Okay. It's fine immediately you lose your gentleness with that person and you're just like, all right, I ain't going to hold the door open for them again. But notice here how God is still gentle with his people. Time and time again, you see the unfaithfulness and the sin and the rebellion of God's people. And time and time again, you see the gentleness of God. And yes, sin does have consequences. And yes, at times God does discipline us and discipline his people. But even in those moments, God is never acting out of frustration or vengeance. But in his grace and mercy, he's guiding us and redirecting us into back, back into step with him, showing us 
No, this is the way. Walk in it. You stay with me. Follow me. Follow the sound of my voice. Because in his gentleness, God treats us better than we deserve. And the third thing you see is that God is kind. And there's a specific Hebrew word that's used in the Old Testament that has like a double meaning. It can be translated as kindness or as love. Uh, So our family verse from today was Psalm 23, verse 6. And it said, surely your goodness and love or kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And then in Psalm 136, it's a really long psalm. And it's like the first line, like y'all know poems, like the first line of a poem is A and then line B is like the second part of the rhyme or whatever. So the first part is just uh, some sort of praise that David is writing. And then the second part, David makes it the same thing every single time. He says his love or kindness endures forever. So when this word is used to describe God, it's used to show that he's being faithful with his promises, that he's acting in generous and merciful love, and that he's graciously providing everything that we need. So after being set free from slavery, the Israelites wander in the desert for 40 years. And for 40 years, God remains faithful to them. For 40 years, God provides every single need that they have. And for 40 years, even when it was tough, God was with them and he never left them. He promised to stay with them and he did just that. And after those 40 years, they finally were able to take hold of what was promised and they were able to step into the promised land. And in the midst of all their unfaithfulness and sin and rebellion, God was faithful to his promises. He never turned his back on them. He was always generous and merciful and he graciously provided for every need. Because in his kindness, God treats us better than we deserve. So when you study this and you look at this, you realize that there's like this underlying theme throughout all of these. You see that there's something that holds goodness, kindness, and gentleness together. Whenever you look at the goodness of God in Scripture, you consider the gentle way that he always guides us back. Even out of sin, he shows us what it means to walk with him in his grace and in his mercy. You realize in all of it, the underlying theme is that God treats us better than we deserve. And if you're going to reflect him, if you're going to cultivate that sort of fruit in your life and allow the fruit of the Spirit to be shown in your life, then that means you have to start treating others better than they deserve. Have you ever seen the way that a dog person treats a dog? Like, I like dogs, but personally, I'm not going to let the dog in my house. I don't want the hair everywhere. I don't want it to pee on the floor. Like, I I, I don't want to deal with the mess. It's just tough. But a dog person does not care. They will see their favorite socks torn up. They'll see the couch chewed to shreds. And then an hour later, they'll be sitting on the couch with the dog being like, you're such a good dog. And the reality is like, bro, your dog is not a good dog. He just tore up your couch. But he's still nice to it and treats it better than it deserves. And I think sometimes, whether it's a dog or a cat or whatever pet you have, uh, it's easier, I think, for us to treat those things better than they deserve than it is the people who are right next to us. And they're made in the image of God. So when we're called to treat people better than they deserve, it's not that they weren't deserved to be treated well in the first place. It's that even every single human being, whether whatever race they were, where they came from, where they grew up, they were all created in the image of God. So that means we need to show them honor and respect and love. Because we're all made in his image. But sometimes the decisions that people make or the way that they treat us makes it harder for us to want to treat them well. Because in our natural desire, we just like, hey, eye for an eye. You want to throw down? We'll throw down right now. But 
in those moments, we have to allow God to work in us and teach us how to treat others better than they deserve. So how do we do that? It's by being good and gentle and kind. So the first thing is you do good. It's not enough to say that you're a good person. Your actions have to follow. Your actions have to be out of goodness. Remember, good works don't save you. God's salvation was freely given by Jesus by his grace. So that means we don't earn it through our works. We could never do that. It was freely given to us. But our worship, our love presented back to him is to say, God, thank you for your salvation. Now I'm going to live it out to others and show them goodness. So our salvation is seen in our good works. If you look at Luke chapter 6, verse 43 through 45, it says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So think about it. There is so much evil in our world, but our good deeds have the power to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth and show people how good the gospel truly is and that it is life-changing and that they too can experience that same hope and joy and love in their lives. This is most evident in the early church. Whenever you look at the way that they cared for all the people who were seen as the most undeserving, they still took care of the lepers, the orphans, the widows. And they welcomed them in and showed them love and grace. Even those that seem most undeserving, this showed goodness, kindness, and gentleness. And we have to realize that we've been called to the same exact thing. So much of the good that God has given us is uh, to be found in loving those that the world has been labeled as undeserving. Think of the family members that have been given up on. Don't give up on them. You've been called to show them goodness, gentleness, and kindness. What about the friend who keeps making a mess of their life, even though time and time again, you've tried to tell them not to do that. They keep going back to it. Don't give up on them. Jesus never gave up on you. He always showed you kindness and gentleness and goodness and welcomed you back. Do the same for them. Your neighbors who might be treated unfairly because of the color of their skin or where they came from or where they grew up, show them love and grace, even when the world won't. The person who sits by themselves at lunch because everybody thinks they're not cool. Show them goodness, kindness, and gentleness in the way that you love them and give them time. Even the people who don't like Reese's Puffs, you have to show them goodness, kindness, and gentleness because it might be the best cereal, but other people don't see it that way. We are called to see those whom the world has labeled as undeserving and say, how can I reflect the goodness of God to them? Second thing, be gentle. Gentleness is not really seen as a crucial characteristic in our world, especially for men. We're supposed to be seen as tough, that we can throw down and handle things when we need to and take it on the chin, be tough about it, and just keep it moving. But the reality is that's not the example that Jesus set for us. We're not meant to get those uh, who wronged us, get them back. That's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be gentle. But Notice that being gentle doesn't mean that you suddenly become a pushover, and that goes for everybody. Jesus was gentle, and he still shows us how to stand up for righteousness. Jesus was not afraid to stand up against the self-righteous leaders in the synagogues and tell them what the truth actually was. Jesus went into the temple and flipped the tables of the money changers who were taking advantage of the poor and the marginalized in the temple. 
Jesus stood up for righteousness and for his people. And it was never done out of aggression or rage. It was out of an intentional righteous anger over the way that those in power had been taking advantage of those who could not help themselves. So Jesus wasn't weak. Jesus was strong and confident and intentional. But my goodness, he was gentle. He cared for others in a way that nobody else could. If you look at another quote by Christopher Wright, it says, Gentleness shows itself when I've learned that the Christ-like way to respond to conflicts and quarrels, rejection, unfairness, or harsh words spoken against me is not with bluster and self-defense, not with harsh and aggressive words, not with angry gestures and facial expressions, not with prickles and spikes, but rather with softness, controlling my tongue and my temper. It means you're being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. So Titus chapter 3 verses 1 through 2 tells us, Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle toward everyone. So that means you have to be gentle to the coworker who lies about you, to be gentle to your spouse, parents to be gentle to your kids. It's their first time being a kid. They got a lot to learn. And kids, be gentle to your parents. It's the first time they're a parent. You got they're learning too. And be gentle to the people who drive slow. Not everybody goes fast, and that's okay. I like to go fast, and this is something I've got to learn. Zoom, zoom. Gentleness means that you don't get the last word in an argument. Gentleness means that you don't say things for the sake of hurting somebody or to make yourself look better. Gentleness means that when somebody wrongs you, you assume that they're having the worst day ever, and you let empathy change the way you're going to treat them. Instead of being selfish with the way you're going to treat them and get them back, you decide to be kind to them instead. So do good, be gentle, and lastly, be kind. One commentary said that kindness seems very close to what Jesus meant in Luke chapter 6, verse 31, where it says, Do to others as you would have them do to you. Kindness can be seen in something as simple as buying coffee for a stranger or as big as standing up for injustice. Kindness is never done to get something in return, but it is done even at your own expense. And I know that there is no better way to make following Jesus more attractive to other people than to show them kindness and living a life that's marked as kindness. Because Romans chapter 2 verses 4 tells us that it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. So it's not the judgment of God, not his greatness, not his power, but it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. So that means that our arguments aren't going to get people to follow Jesus that winning a debate is not going to convince somebody to follow Jesus. Our fun events might be helpful to get people to the church, but at the end of the day, they're not going to draw people to repentance. But our kindness toward others, the way that we intentionally listen to somebody when they're talking to us, making eye contact, not getting on our phone, that is the way you show kindness. The coffee you buy for your coworkers, the dinner invitation that you extend to your neighbors, the times that you stop to pray with the parent of a kid who's on your ball team, the way that you treat a person who's taking forever to take your order at Brahms and they still get your order wrong, 
It's your kindness towards them that will make Jesus the most attractive. So be good, be gentle, and be kind. Treat others better than they deserve. Because the truth is, that's exactly what Jesus does for us. Like, think about the cross. At the cross, Jesus was good. He overcame evil for our sake. And at the cross, Jesus was gentle, choosing forgiveness over revenge for those who drove those nails through his hands and feet. And at the cross, Jesus was kind, choosing to take on our sins so that we could be forgiven. And at the cross, Jesus shows that there is a better way to live. So the way that you put this into practice this week, whether you're at home with your family or at work with the people that you don't like or just out and about having a good time, whatever it is, ask yourself two questions. If you were Jesus, how would you treat that person? And then if that person were Jesus, how would you treat them? And I know it's really easy to like start thinking, well, if they were Jesus, you know, they wouldn't treat me like that. But Like, seriously, if they were Jesus, regardless of the way that they were treating you, how would it change the way you treat them? I think we would start to be more gentle, more good, and more kind with people. So hold on to the kindness and goodness and gentleness that God gives you. It's freely given to you. It's through his grace and his mercy. So don't hold back on giving it to somebody else. It's going to be hard. It is a battle, but it is worth it because you are showing them the love of Jesus. Let's pray together. Jesus, I pray for the people uh, who are here today, Lord. I pray that you would teach them and guide them gently in the way that you have promised, that you'd show them how to show your goodness and kindness and gentleness to others, that you would lead them in the way everlasting so that when they are old, they will not depart from it. If you're here uh, today, and you want to experience the goodness, kindness, and gentleness of Jesus, but you haven't accepted him into your heart yet, this is the perfect time. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, and then we'll all pray this prayer together. One, two, three. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but Lord, I know you died for me. I give you my life. I accept you as my savior and I trust you with everything. I love you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it or share it on social media and tag at VFC underscore Newcastle. If you haven't already, download the Victory Family Church app to stay connected with everything that's happening throughout the week. Thanks again for listening. Have an awesome week.